So when I introduce you, what will I call you? So freelance copywriter, freelance designer, so what would it be for you? (laughs) It's like such a big question. (laughs) Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. Thanks for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love. The latest issue, literally, if you're hearing this as it goes out, it came out this week and it's so good. As always, full of inspirational stories loads of advice and events and lifestyle features if you're not already subscribed get yourself to freelancermagazine.co.uk yes there's a digital version but mm -mm, get those sweet glossy pages in your hand right now though let's find out what it's like being freelance for creative director and web designer radine hansen I think one of the challenges coming into being a freelancer full time is shifting my mindset away from I have to do all of my creative work from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. I had to say no or could you wait, which was really, really, really scary because as a new freelancer, you know, you have moments of doubt. What if no one ever wants me to create a website again if I... (laughs) say that I can't do it right now. The business coach, she was like, well, what's the biggest number that you could possibly think of? Like, what would that be? I was like, maybe I could make $60,000 a year on this business if I did all of these things X, Y, Z. And she was like, I think you can do more. (laughs) You know, and I was like, more than $60,000. Like, how is that possible? And and so, you know, I figured out how it would be possible if I wanted to make more than $60,000. And I have. There is Radine Hansen, based in Cape Cod, coming to your ears in today's episode. She's a creative director and web designer and also runs or goes by the name of RSH Collective. The R and the H being Radine Hansen, the S being her middle name. I'll let you go figure it out online if you like. So we talk about the whole idea of running a collective of freelancers. A really interesting chat coming up. But there's actually a link to the last season here. So towards the end of 2020. I chatted to Lo Harris. It was the last episode of season 15. Lo is an incredible illustrator based in New York. If you've not heard her episode, please do go back and listen after you've heard this one. But yes, I talked about in that episode how Lo's website had just blown me away. It was just so good. And right at the bottom, I saw that it was made by RSH Collective. I followed the links. I went down the rabbit hole. Suddenly, I've discovered somebody called Ray Dean Hansen, and I'm wanting to talk to her too. So that's what we're uh, doing in a moment. Lots going on. This podcast is obviously back. The Doing It For The Kids podcast is back. The book club is back. We're reading Building A Story Brand. Uh, Come join us for that details in the community which is where you should go because you're not alone being freelance. Come and hang out with us online. That's at beingfreelance.com. All the details are there. And I I mentioned this right at the beginning, the new Freelancer magazine is out. And can I just say a big thank you to Gareth Hancock of That Content Shed, previous guest on this podcast, actually, sharing his story quite a few years ago. It's funny, though. I always get people coming up to me and referencing Gareth. Like still today, even though it was years ago, saying how much they loved his episode of the podcast. Anyway, he he is 
modelling, without me knowing that he was going to do this, the Being Freelance mug in all of his photos. Thank you very much, Gareth. Lovely to see your face and the mug quite so close together. Uh, If you don't already, you can actually get yourself a Being Freelance mug, either by winning one in the community or by getting one at beingfreelance.com. I've got a new stocking right now sitting on those shelves behind me. So if you fancy one... Maybe not that one. I think I just cracked that one by doing that. Go to beingfreelance.com. Okay, shut up, Fallon. Let's crack on. Chat to this week's guest. That is creative director and web designer, Ray Dean Hansen. Hey, Ray. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me. As ever, how about (laughs) we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Oh, my gosh. Um, So similar to what to call me. (laughs) That is such a big question. And I'm sure that, you know, most people as I've listened, um, come on and say the same thing. So I started, I'm going to just go like way, way back and then come Mm -hmm. forward. Um, so I started out, um, studying photography. So I went to art school to, you know, become a photographer. And while I was there, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't think that's really what I want to do. (laughs) Um, and I had, you know, so much joy when I was producing and that was, you know, photo shoots for myself or, you know, collaborating with other photographers to make all of their pieces come together for their photo shoot. And so during my time there, I was certainly, you know, learning the photo side of things. But I also found out that I really I like putting puzzles together. And I also love, you know, bringing cool people together. And so that was that was kind of where where it all started, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I went to art school in Denver, Colorado, and then I moved across the country to Brooklyn, New York. And I worked for um, a decade in media, places like the Huffington Post and New York Magazine's The Cut, and most recently, um, Cosmopolitan Magazine on their digital team. And at all of those places, I was doing as many different things as I could. And so um, learning is something that's always been um, really you know, interesting and important to me. And so as I was working on my photo skills and my production skills, I was also realizing that I love to design. <laughs> and um, and so I just started teaching myself design and asking my coworkers to, you know, teach me the things that they know and and just, you know, really fell in love with that creative space. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, during this time at different companies kind of worked in some pretty toxic environments and, you know, with people whose personalities I just didn't really align with and, you know, including their values and things like that. And so for a moment, I like, this was like a six month stint. (laughs) Like I, I left media and worked for a brand and, During that time, I worked with some really brilliant creators and we were doing really big, fun things. I was, you know, part of their production team. And I realized that they were also really kind (laughs) and they were really (laughs) inclusive. And like there were all of these things that I was like, wait, I love this (laughs) Um, to an extent. Like I, I missed the the variety of creation that I got to do when I was working at a media company. And so I started entertaining the idea of like what that would look like. And I realized that, you know, I can expect those same things and look for a company or a team um, that will give me those while I'm doing the work that I wanted to do. And so that was actually when I found um, Cosmo and 
their digital team is just like, you know, the coolest and the kindest. And like, I was really able to be the person that I was or, you know, that I wanted to be. I could do the good work that I wanted to do. And, you know, this is the important part, like they were kind and they supported my dreams, right? So like, my whole dream was not to be a Cosmo for the rest of my life. And the people who were there really supported uh, what I wanted to do. And and that was building a design business and, you know, collaborating with lots of cool people. And that, you know, being there that during that time was how I was able to like really build my business like after work hours <laughs> um, because I felt supported during the day. You know, I wasn't totally drained after an entire day of work. Whereas at other places, I, I certainly was. And I was like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I, mm. I want to just, you know, abandon all creative um, efforts and, and just, <laughs> you know, relax after work. So yeah, that that's the beginning and kind of the middle and the end. <laughs> wow. With lots of other things in the middle. <laughs> so when did, just to put it in perspective, when did you start at Cosmo? Well, so I'm not currently there. Um, yeah, that was the part I missed, right? Um, so I started working at Cosmo about three years ago. I am terrible with like years, you know, what, <laughs> like what year is it right now? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, you know, putting it to a specific um, year is very difficult to me, but about three years ago. Is about three guess. years. And then yeah. when did you start, you know, you were enjoying it so much that you realized you had this space in your evenings to do freelance work. When when did that occur to you then? So I will say I had been doing, you know, I, I feel like I never really had just one job. Like I was always doing something in my off hours. It was just how much energy I had when I was doing it. So, mm, okay. you know, initially I started doing, um, you know, my, the photography that I wanted to do, like after hours and during my lunch hours, if I, you know, was uh, lucky enough to have one of those. Um, and <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> work-life balance at those times was not, not <laughs> ideal. So I had been doing little bits of things, you know, throughout the time that I lived in New York. But about five years ago is when I like really started the design to focus in on the design after hours. Um, and that was, you know, doing projects for friends or friends of friends and like really little things where I could feel comfortable doing it for little or no money as I was learning. Um, I had this other full-time job that was supporting me financially and with benefits and things like that. And then over the last two years, I would say I was really working like two full-time jobs. So I was, I was at Cosmo and I was building a business in, you know, the rest of my time. So from 6 p.m. to like 1 a.m., <laughs> you know, I was, I was building the other half of what I do. Yeah. And then at some point, you know, there was this breaking point where I, I had to, you know, have a conversation both with myself, you know, with my partner, my husband, and then with my boss at Cosmo. And I was like, this, this is the dream that I, I need to follow to build RSH Collective. And I can't do both of these things anymore because I will not survive. <laughs> so how did you start to build it from, you know, a small project here or there for friends? Mm -hmm. How did you get more clients? Um, I feel incredibly grateful that almost all of the projects that I have have come through referrals or, you know, word of mouth, um, which is 
both really, really wonderful and totally terrifying because that means that, you know, I don't know if I know how to get <laughs> clients if someone hasn't already told someone about me. So, um, but, you know, I will say that that is how you found me too, right? So you have found a website that I created mm. and that is kind of part of it too. So whether it is directly like you should work with this person or you are credited on this website um, and I really enjoyed it, uh, th- that is how most people come. So I think maybe maybe the moral of you know <laughs> that is keep crediting myself on websites so that people can find it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point actually because not not everybody gets to do that in mm-hmm. the thing that they do. Whereas actually, Completely. if you create a website, it's quite normal or easy to put mm-hmm. that thing at the bottom saying who made yeah. it. And you know, I've gotten to work with some really incredible people who who just like are all about (laughs) sharing, sharing, you know, and, and that means like sharing who did this and the collaborations that, that happened to, to make it become what it is. So, yeah. So have you ever, as it were, freelanced simply by yourself, as in without collaborating with other people? Uh, Yeah. So the way that RSH Collective works is we're all individually doing our own projects. And, you know, to kind of create, you know, I have a lot of goals with with this collective. Um, So this is kind of like phase one. And I've gotten the chance to work with um, a number of business coaches and creative directors and creative coaches in, in helping me figure out what I want to do with this. And so in, in this phase one, like I just want to, bring together a bunch of people whose work I really love, um, who have similar values to to mine. And then, you know, if I am the person who is hired to do a project, great. If I cannot for, you know, whatever reason, either my workload or skill set, um, then I, I simply pass it off to someone else who is part of the collective. So that's kind of phase one is like we, we are coming together. We have, you know, connections built and RSH right now is essentially just a resource down the line. What I want it to be is more of kind of the agency setup, but still like on an individual level. I'm still right. like wrapping around, <laughs> you know, wrapping my head around the words that I want to to fully describe it. But um, yeah, that's that's where it is right now. So at the moment, a project might come in where it makes sense for you or some of the collective to work together to create mm-hmm. the final product and mm-hmm. you might lead that but equally something might come in where you go well actually you only need this one person from the collective so here totally exactly go work yeah. with them yeah um and you know another part of what i is beginning to happen is that you know other groups who like a collective is not um uh, a unique idea right there are so many incredible collectives doing lots of different things all over. So partnering with other collectives that have a totally different either industry or skill set or whatever it is. So, you know, social media, SEO, things like that, that um, we're not covering on like a minute scale. We're, we're kind of covering more broadly, partnering with with more groups like that as well. So then we can kind of pass our skills around and share each other with our clients. Mm. And so presumably as well, like each of those individual freelancers who make up the collective can bring projects into it as well. Mm -hmm. They're effectively doing their own marketing for it. 
Absolutely, yeah. How formal does it get? Like, <laughs> are there agreements or anything in place? Like, if other people are listening and going, huh, I kind of like this idea. I wonder how it works. Yeah. Um, so right now in this first phase, it's it's relatively informal. If ever there is like a contract that comes through and, you know, any, any percentages um, staying with the collective itself, then we would put together that contract. Um, that's something that I, I make sure is in place for any project that I'm working on and that I recommend that each of the other designers do as well um, or, um, you know, a copywriter, whoever it is that we're working with. So in terms of, you know, the individual projects, that's how it's working right now. But in the future, that like that's what I also want to figure out. So, you know, if you're a really awesome collective owner and have uh, advice, please send it my way. <laughs> <laughs> so um yes mm. and no is the answer <laughs> and eventually <laughs> and if if a project is done by the collective who bills and dishes out the money and like, as in does yeah. the collective get paid and then Redeen hansen as an individual gets paid off of that and you know yeah um, exactly so so um Right now at this point, it's whatever the um, either the collaborator or um, the designer on the project prefers. Um, so I've, I've done it both ways where, you know, the designer just fully takes over invoicing um, the client. And so then the collective is completely outside of that. And I've done it where RSH Collective is the entity that's like doing all of the billing and contracting, et cetera, et cetera. And then any of the people that are a part of it are being paid from the collective itself, mm. which means the taxes are super duper fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you have people in, in your collective from different countries in the world as well. Yes. And so far I have recommended that they do their own, um, mm. own invoicing. So I have had to do, you know, a lot of research and thankfully I'm a part of a lot of communities that have some amazing resources. Like freelance founders is like my go-to. Everyone is just so generous with their knowledge and, you know, they're kind and curious, like all of these things that I, I just really appreciate. So all the way back to art school, collaboration was obviously <laughs> important to you. Mm -hmm. And you're still doing it today. So what do you think makes a good collaboration? How do you know who to collaborate with? Mm -hmm. um, I think, a f you know, a few different things, of course. The combination of skills that are needed for a project um, are, is certainly up there. I think one of the biggest things for me in terms of um, personality is uh, communication style. So someone who is open and transparent in their communication, whether that is, you know, for criticism or um, just to, you know, make sure that we're really working within their schedule. Um, and then kindness is something that is just an absolute must <laughs> for me. I just don't want to work with anyone who isn't just completely lovely. So um, that's, yeah, those are some big things. That's a good job description right there. <laughs> Do you promise you're completely lovely? Like, what is it that you get from collaborating with others rather than just working on projects by yourself? Mm, I, I guess I see collaboration in two different ways. So one way is, you know, 
just kind of coming together in the beginning stages and letting someone kind of like run with the project, right? And, you know, checking in if they need to and being a part of the the process, however they desire. And one of my favorite things about that is just being a cheerleader for that person. Um, so one of the things that I, I had a conversation when I first moved to New York with a new friend of mine and he was asking, like, if you could do anything, like, what would it be? And I was like, well, honestly, like, if I could get paid for telling people that other people are really great, I would do that. <laughs> and essentially, I've, I've built a business doing that um, it, or and continue to build a business doing that. Right. So um, I'm like, this is a really awesome person. You should certainly work with them <laughs> um, or you should work with us to, to make your project happen. So that is one part of it. The other part is just the, I guess, the joy that I get in hearing other people's ideas, things that I would never have thought of just feel very exciting to me. Mm. So it just gives me an energy that working by myself doesn't always offer. However, I am lucky enough to live with an artist. So my husband is um, a watercolor artist, and I'm sorry he would he would prefer watercolor painter. Um, <laughs> though I think he's an artist; his work is amazing. <laughs> um, so we we are really lucky in that, like we we have kind of like moments of collaboration and like we can come together when we're struggling with something and like just get a different set of eyes on it. That still is like a, a visual brain. So I don't totally feel alone in my freelancing, even when I'm the one working on a project because I have that other person in my home <laughs> to help yeah. with that. You mentioned coaches. Mm. I want to, do you mind if I shout out a couple of them? So long as they're lovely. Yeah, they are lovely. Okay. <laughs> um, so the first, um, and I actually am not sure if she would call herself a coach, but in my, you know, the way that we connected, um, she felt really like a, a coach and a mentor to me. So Frankie Radford of the Design Kids puts on designer boot camps and um, I did a boot camp a bedroom boot camp with her. So I was at home, she was at her home, everybody else was at their homes in 2020. And she was kind of the one that helped me really figure out the beginning structure of this business. So she could see, you know, my love for collaboration and, you know, wanting to work with other incredible people and helped me form this collective idea. So that's something that, you know, from this little seed that she planted, I was able to kind of expand on and, and create goals around. So that that's kind of the like the creative coach um, when I when I say that. And the business coach is Serena Verk Torindel, and she has launched a beta program um, to help small business owners launch their business. And so it was just a group of eight of us um, who would come together weekly and talk about the goals that we have for our business and push each other to like create bigger goals. And I think that was the thing that really helped me figure out where my business could go. So I had this little seed of an idea and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll make like 10 websites. <laughs> You know, like it felt so possible that I could do that thing. And she was like, well, what's the biggest 
number that you could possibly think of. Like, what would that be? And I was like, maybe I could make $60,000, right? Like maybe I could make that in a year on this business if I did all of these things, X, Y, Z. And she was like, I think you can do more. <laughs> you know, and I was like, more than $60,000. Like, how is that possible? And and so, you know, I figured out how it would be possible if I wanted to make more than $60,000. And I have, you know, like, I fully credit her for pushing me outside of my comfort zone of creating goals, like not even just doing the actual work, but thinking about the work that I would do. And so I set up a plan to, um, I want to say I had you know, I cut myself off at $100,000 because that just seemed too big. (laughs) And I was able to put together a plan of what it would look like. And of course, that plan has not gone exactly as, um, as I set it up to. But other things have come in to kind of supplement the places that it was lacking. And, you know, one of those things is, you know, figuring out that I could work with larger companies on larger projects and with smaller companies and individuals on on smaller projects. And so um, that wasn't something that I fully realized until it happened, um, where I could, you know, kind of create these like tens of thousands of dollar contracts and like the two to five thousand dollar contracts and and kind of start putting those together to add up to um, the full year. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's cool, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, there's so much I could ask. There really is. I mean, please do. I try to be a, an open book. <laughs> Back with Ray in a moment, but I just want to say thanks as well to HREFs for supporting this episode. It is much appreciated. We all want to rank higher in Google, but we don't necessarily know what the hell we're doing when it comes to SEO. I certainly didn't anyway. Recently, I started using a tool called HREFs to sort out the SEO at beingfreelance.com. It's got out of hand. There's a lot of broken links. There's a lot of slow loading pages. But by using the free Ahrefs Webmaster Tools, I've been able to get a really thorough website audit. Like it scans my site and then prioritizes precisely what I can do to fix it, improve the way I get found in search results. And here's the thing, it is free to do. Like this isn't like one of those free trials it's simply free honestly i recommend checking it out if i can use it you can use it it's hrefs.com slash awt hrefs is ahrefs.com slash awt or just click the link in the show notes and at beingfreelance.com thank you to hrefs for supporting being freelance okay back into our conversation with ray dean So let's start with the closest bit of information that you gave there, which is about that realization and the different sites you you can work with, small projects, Mm -hmm. individuals, and with with bigger projects. How did you overcome what you'd seen as a barrier previously? Mm. This is an unfortunate answer, I think, for anyone... (laughs) Um, but it it came to me and I said yes Um, so it was it was scary it was scary to say yes to this project because I had you know built a plan in my mind that was not this so I I'm gonna just jump around a little bit but I promise it comes back together Um, so I had been doing building websites in Squarespace so that that's kind of the the bulk of what I do with individuals small businesses and you know 
people like Lowe who, you know, are, are launching their illustration business in a, a different light. So she had had a website, but, you know, wanted an update and, you know, small companies around Brooklyn and, and things like that. And part of something that's really important for my business is to make sure that I'm also, you know, as I'm doing the work and collecting the the money for that is that I also want to be able to give back and, you know, philanthropy in all of the definitions of it is really important to me. So I want to make sure I'm either giving my time, my skills, money, like to organizations or charities that I believe in. Mm -hmm. And so I put in an application to do a project with the city of New York and it's the uh, New York City Small Business Resource Network. Rolls right off the tongue. (laughs) And and they had this awesome project where they were providing websites for small business owners who had been impacted by COVID, which so many were. And they were partnering with designers who worked in Squarespace. And I was like, amazing. These are two things that I love. I love Squarespace and I love helping people. (laughs) And so I'm going to apply to do this thing. Um, And so I was chosen as one of those designers. This was in um, January. And I was so stoked. And and this was like, you know, pennies, <laughs> pennies project. And and it was amazing. Like I it, it felt so good to give someone this thing that they needed. Um, and it, you know, mostly just cost my time. And so I, I was I was so happy. And I was like, I want to do more of that. And because of the buzz around this program that they launched, the Small Business Resource Network got all sorts of funding. And so this tiny little, you know, pilot program turned into a humongous project. And I was asked to come back as one of the designers and, you know, be paid properly (laughs) this time. (laughs) Um, So I was able to, to say yes to this humongous project that was now funded, that was doing all of the things that I wanted. And then I had to say, no, or could you wait um, for some of the smaller things that I was doing, which was really, really, really scary because as as a new freelancer and I think anyone in the world, (laughs) (laughs) you you just, you know, you have moments of doubt. And I was like, what if no one ever wants me to create a website again if I (laughs) I say that I can't do it right now? (laughs) Um, And so I... I had those worries. And then I started saying, I can do this if you can wait until September. And people were like, oh, yeah, no problem. And I was like, what? <laughs> so so, so um, it's been very cool like to, to see, you know, the values that I have, this open communication, transparency, like work for me. And, and certainly there have been people who are like, Uh, you know, I can't wait that long. And I'm like, okay, completely fine. Here are some incredible designers that you should work with. And some people have gone off and and worked with those designers, some a part of the collective, some others um, outside. And others are like, thank you so much for sending this list. I'm willing to wait. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. So while the smaller projects are waiting, you could work on the big thing. Yes. Um, I mean, 
certainly, you know, I was willing to put in more hours if I needed to. And, you know, some weeks were slower than others. And so I could kind of, you know, trickle in some of the work for the ones who are waiting. Um, and I, you know, the process that I have a lot of the work up front is with the small business owner or the um, the client that's coming in just to have them really do their homework first, right? So like if there's um, any branding that they have, you know, collecting all of those assets, if um, they don't have any branding, kind of like figuring out who they are and how we can talk about that to eventually create um, a brand for their business. So there are things that, you know, even though they were waiting, they kind of had homework and assignments that they could, um, they could work on in their own time too. Mm. And to go back to working with uh, the second coach, so it sounded a bit more, it sounded more like a mastermind kind of thing, as in like, it wasn't just you and a coach, it was you mm, and other mm-hmm. business owners. Was that right? Yes. Um, I tend to join programs like that. So I'm actually t- uh, taking a course right now through, it's kind of like a, a roundabout way, but like through Bank of America, through Cornell University is like putting on a women's entrepreneurship certificate program. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a- applied to be a part of it, like what feels like a million years ago, um, but they had a really long wait list and it, you know, my, my time came. <laughs> so I said yes. And, and it's, it's really similar. It's a little bit more hands-off in that it's kind of like on our own time, but I think there are probably like other, like 80 other um, women who own, you know, various kinds of businesses who are part of this. And so it's, again, it's a lot about collaboration um, and, you know, connecting with other people and learning from each other. And so those are the kinds of programs that I, I tend to jump on because I certainly find value in working one-on-one with someone. But I think at this point, I need more perspectives um, to kind of figure out what it is that I want to be doing and and how I can get there. And I guess all of those, you know, when most of your work comes your way via referrals, all of these are more mm-hmm. people all the time that you're getting to meet. I mean, completely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I suppose maybe I, I have been doing all of the right things to, to make sure that um, that continues to happen <laughs> without realizing it. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad thing. <laughs> It all works. Um, But when it came to like working with those coaches, Mm -hmm. and I asked this in the previous season with Claire Gallagher, who talked about the difference it made to her. Mm -hmm. I asked her the question, like, where did you meet them? Like, how did you know? Because there's so many coaches, right? Mm. How do you know who to work with? How did you know? That's a really interesting question. Um, I hmm. now I'm trying to like think of where I found all of these people. I think the the thing that like will draw me in about a program is the language that they're using or, you know, a, a coach, um, if you will, is how they're speaking about the thing that they're doing. And if those things align with, you know, how I'm building my business, like there's curiosity, there's kindness, <laughs> there, you know, yeah. there's collaboration, you know. So if if all of those things kind of come across in the way that they're speaking about it or the way that they present the information, I feel more easily connected and, and like I can say yes to, you know, whatever mm. it is, the person or the program. Um, I think, you know, the other, I believe the ways that I have found um, the 
people and programs that I've worked with is through the communities that I'm already a part of. And so if someone is in those, you know, there's a higher likelihood that I will connect with them in some way. So yeah, again, referrals, I suppose, (laughs) whether it's like directly or indirectly. Now, you mentioned earlier that in the past, you've had bad work-life balance experience. Mm. So how's it going for you now? Mm. (laughs) I... I I think one of the challenges for me coming into being a freelancer full-time is like shifting my mindset away from, I have to do all of my creative work from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. So it it actually took me a really long time. We moved from Brooklyn to Cape Cod and I was trying to get a structure where I was not signing on to Cosmo at 9 a.m. I you know, had to figure out how I could get myself into my own headspace for my own business now at Mm -hmm. (laughs) 9am. Because I really do prefer to work during the daytime. But, you know, certainly, the creative practice had been kind of solidified in, in the evening hours. And so kind of pulling myself into that was really difficult and is, you know, starting to become a little bit easier. And some of that is like making sure that I'm, you know, joining in on programs that like start at 8.30 or 9 to like kick off the day and, you know, sit down and do that. Um, In terms of the balance between working and not working, I think I've slowly been able to recognize that I do not have to be working all of the time (laughs) just because I had been working all of the time. And, you know, my, my husband is gosh, his work ethic is like absolutely incredible. And, you know, he is like at his desk at this time every day and working and working and working. And so that certainly helps. (laughs) Um, But there have been times where, you know, we're both working on projects over a weekend and then the next weekend we're like, but we should probably be working though, right? (laughs) And we're like, no, 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 no. We we don't need to be working all the time. We do get to like have our breaks. Um, Something that I have given myself to help with this is um, I signed up for ceramics classes and um, became a part of a studio here in Cape Cod. And so that's like forced downtime (laughs) Um, that is, is really rejuvenating. It's also, you know, community building and that we're meeting people in a, you know, a new place, new people. Mm. And so that really helps. So finding something else that like pulls me away that I'm, you know, just as passionate about definitely helps with the the balance. Proper hobbies. That's the, <laughs> the get you away from a screen. Yeah, That's, you can't is. go touching your screen when your hands are covered in clay. That's a genius exactly. idea. <laughs> yep. Fully tactile. No screens involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. So I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make mm. two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay. I feel like I always hear everyone say, like, this was the hardest part. And really, <laughs> this was the hardest part. <laughs> okay. So, number one, I guided a marathon a year after spinal cord surgery. Number two, I have a picture of Bette Midler and myself dressed up as the same Halloween character <laughs> or character for Halloween. And number three, I did acro yoga with Harry Connick Jr. on daytime television. Oh my goodness, these are brilliant. Okay, first one. So you had spinal surgery with this. 
I did, yes, um, a decade ago. And then did a marathon? Indeed. Did you say a guided marathon? So I, I guided an athlete in a marathon. I was a part of this really awesome uh, group called Achilles International that runs in New York. And a lot of the reason that I joined it was, you know, to make sure that I was staying active. But, you know, the other part of it is helping people. And so these athletes are... Uh, have all sorts of different abilities. And some of them are visually impaired, some of them are amputees, some have cognitive disorders. And so they need a guide to help them do this thing that they really love doing, which is running, walking, you know, being active. And one of those uh, people wanted to run a marathon. (laughs) Okay. Had you ever run a marathon before? No way. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I also didn't train well enough for it. (laughs) But we did it. Her goal, her goal was two, two goals. Run the entire thing, so no walking, and do it in under five hours. Wow. I mean, that's, that is a <laughs> – I hope that's a true story because that is wonderful, especially because, like, <laughs> they could have ended up dragging you along. <laughs> I certainly practiced with them. Um, okay. <laughs> Next – you have a photo of you and Bette Midler together in the same costume. Mm-hmm. Was this a Cosmo thing? It was not a Cosmo ah. thing. <laughs> okay, so what was the costume? Well, it was her character from Hocus Pocus. And she just walks around dressed like that often, <laughs> yeah, does yeah. she? Yeah, she's, she's like, actually, she's just her. <laughs> um, no, we were um, in the Halloween. So New York has like this, you know, humongous Halloween parade. And... My husband and I had gone um, to the parade, of course, dressed up, and we jumped off the route, you know, in the West Village, and there was Bette Midler in her own Winifred Sanderson Halloween costume. And we were like, well, well, I obviously need a picture with you. Could you please? And and she did. (laughs) So you just in the street met Mm -hmm. Bette Midler dressed Mm -hmm. as Bette Midler. With yes. you dressed as Bette Midler. Yes. And, you know, aside from, like, the costume-costume thing, that happens all the time in New York, right? Like, celebrities just, like, walk around like people because, you know, they are. And, <laughs> and so you see them everywhere. Oh, man. Okay, right. And then finally, so, you, forgive me, acro yoga? Yes. Um, there, I knew there would be, need to be a definition for this one. <laughs> um, so acro yoga is acrobatic yoga, and it's partner yoga. It's done with, you know, multiple other people. And I have been doing acro for, um, oh gosh, I guess close to a decade probably. So even in yoga, you have to collaborate. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. What is going on? Uh, Sorry, yeah. Clearly I have a, a, yeah. But you ended up doing it with Harry Connick Jr. On daytime television. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget that part. Why? (laughs) Just a random run-in. So I had been assisting an acro yoga uh, teacher in New York for, you know, a number of years and ultimately became a teacher myself. And we were, she or she was, sorry, she was invited to be on the Harry Connick Jr. show. Oh, he has a TV show. Indeed. Okay, right. Um, And so she was invited to be on it and she invited um, four of us, four of us, five five of us, um, to join her. Three pairs of people doing some acro yoga. And then um, Harry came out and did it with us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, right. I'll be honest. I wasn't believing that. 
until you said that Harry Connick Jr. has a TV show. Mm, and the fact is these sure, day, sure, sure. daytime TV shows <laughs> regularly need stuff. Um, frankly, that sounds very visual. Like that, I can mm-hmm. see that. I can totally see that feature happening. <laughs> it feels like a scene from mm-hmm. the, that morning show show, but still. <laughs> And then I believe the marathon one, you're clearly lovely. Although running a marathon when you've never run one before <laughs> is a bit it's nuts. Over 26 miles. Bad Midler just sounds so extraordinary. Like, I mean, extraordinary things do happen. So maybe that's true. I really don't know. I'm totally stumped. <laughs> I'm going against my better judgment here because the Bet Midler one sounds so untrue. No, I've got to go. I'm... I want it to be true, but I have to go with that. The 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 thought of right, you, you, she's dressed in the same costume as you're dressed, and you bump into it. No, no, <laughs> that's the lie. It's a good lie, but it's a lie. You're you're correct. That is the lie. yes. <laughs> I also did not create that lie. I am terrible at lying. I am also terrible at storytelling, <laughs> and. Um... So my my husband created that live for us. Oh my god! You even collaborate on lies. <laughs> I uh, I I literally like I I know about the three two truths and a lie, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've done nothing interesting in my life, and <laughs> I don't know how to lie. <laughs> so I um. I sat down with my husband and he was like, okay, well, you've run a marathon. You did acro yoga. And, and I was Aww. like, oh my God, I am, I do cool things. And he's like, and you met Bette Midler uh, dressed up as her character in a parade. And I was like, what? Did I? <laughs> like, I believed him telling me the lie that I was going to tell. Yeah. <laughs> That's so uh, He is a storyteller and incredible at it. <laughs> Now, Ray, obviously, you've not been full-time freelance for for, um, uh, for that long, <laughs> but you have been freelancing for, for years alongside. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I initially thought, you know, my younger self, like, you know, tiny Ray Dean. And, like, freelancing was not even a thing that, like, existed in my life. My parents both had full-time jobs and, you know, they went to work every day and they came home and they had their weekends and that that was like the norm. And, you know, hearing the question now, I feel like things that I, I would say is, um, you know, you will be able to build the big life that you want and do it in a way that is true to your values. Um, so, you know, there doesn't have to be a, a big amount of compromise to, um, to make it happen. Um, I think the other thing that I would say is that, um, taking small steps will lead to big strides. So nothing is is a huge leap. Um, I think it just takes a number, maybe many, many, many <laughs> numbers of small steps to to make it happen. Ah, oh, nice. Yes, and which has reminded me, you spoke about having goals and making a plan and breaking them down. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's the thing. Working backwards it is and the, the tiny steps within it. Mm-hmm. Radine, it's been so <laughs> nice to speak to you. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. There'll be links through uh, as there are for all of our guests so that you can check out RSH Collective online. There will put a link to the Low Harris episode, of course, who was on uh, mm-hmm. at the end of last year. I was raving about her website back then. 
but now you've heard from the person who helped make it so go take a look take a listen to that as well uh, but thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you thank you for having me Yeah, so there is Ray. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do think about sharing it online, getting in touch with Ray. You can find at Being Freelance on Twitter and Instagram, so you can tag me in there. And if Being Freelance makes a difference in your life, you can help support me putting these podcasts out by going to beingfreelance.com slash coffee and topping up my Kofi page, my virtual biscuits in appreciated to everybody who does on a regular basis or was a one-off for that matter appreciate you too okay i think that's enough for now (laughs) hope you enjoyed it another one to come next week uh in the meantime you have a great week being freelance (laughs) 